The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to recap night two of Fighter Fest, discuss all the results, give a sneak peek of Fight for the Fallen next week. Uh, but before we get into calling the action, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, it is the first full week in my new apartment. I went out of town last weekend, so this is kind of my first few days to really kind of get settled and kind of experience the day-to-day of living alone. And so far, so good, man. Really enjoying it. Uh, it's been nice getting everything set up, you know. Steady stream of Amazon packages with stuff for the apartment. So the apartment is coming along pretty well. And I was just about to say, look what I got. I can't obviously show you because we're <laughs> doing an audio podcast. Um, but I got those like Wi-Fi lights for my apartment now. So like <laughs> I can just push a button on my phone and all the lights go on. Except one, I unplugged it. It's not working. But bizarre. Yeah. So my whole apartment's going to be smart. And I just walked over to the 7-Eleven and got myself an Icy because it's hot as hell here right now. And yeah, so not all bad, man. Some good shit going on. What about yourself? Well, um, I mean, I started shopping at a new grocery store, so that's kind of new. <laughs> exactly. The cutting, the, the, the cutting edge content our listeners want. Yeah, well, if, the- if you haven't checked it out, Lidl is pretty cool. Um, I, I like it. So, um, but I'm not really going to go on and talk about that. <laughs> well, okay. We got We got to talk about your grocery shopping habits here. How do you go through the store? Which side of the store do you start on? Do you start in produce? Or do you start in the frozen stuff? What do you do, man? So I actually write my grocery <laughs> list in the order that the items appear in the store in order to walk through and get everything as quickly and efficiently as possible. So a normal week's worth of grocery shopping takes me about 20 minutes. Um, and that's like drive to store, get stuff, drive home. A little bit longer if it's, uh, you know, if there's a line at the register, that can really throw me off. Uh, but yeah, All it's, right. uh, it's exactly what you would expect. It's exactly what you would expect. So uh, no, what I actually wanted to talk about is I just started playing um, Slay the Spire again. Are you familiar with this? Uh, no. What is that? So it's a really cool procedurally generated card battling game um, on Switch and other platforms. But I play it on Switch because it's the best way to play it. And it's really cool because you start with a basic deck of 10 cards. And every time you uh, like win a fight, you can add one of three cards to your deck and it just kind of grows and grows and grows and you get these I think you showed me this it's so cool so I put it down for several months and uh, it's one of those that like Diablo I just always come back to after a while and want to play some more Uh, and I I finally beat the uh, super secret boss and so I'm very excited about that Uh, but every time you beat it Yeah, every time you beat it, you just unlock a new difficulty level that has like additional challenge elements to it. So it's pretty sweet. I think it's actually something that you would really enjoy given your card battling background. So uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out. I did power through Yu-Gi-Oh! when uh, quarantine started. So I have been a little... I've missed some card battling shit. So maybe I'll check it out, but... I think it's um, on sale your, right now. So uh, back to your grocery so, shopping habits. <laughs> I'm kidding. What do you want to know? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm being a smart ass. I'm being a smart ass. <laughs> Anything else uh, before we, we dive into the week that was in, in all elite wrestling. No, nah, hit the drop. The dynamite that was. I feel like I know Max, even though, you know, we've never met because I just hear his voice so often. He's uh, a good so freaking dude, man. Good dude. We're just going to talk through all of these segments because, you know, like last week, we're treating this kind of like a pay-per-view. So um, the first match of the night was the tag team championship match. And uh, my heart broke a little bit when this match came on first because I was like, ah, we're not getting a title change. Bummer. 
Um, but it was a really, really good match. And uh, I really liked the different phases that it went through. I felt like it started off like a little bit slow and technical, very much like a like a classic Kenny Omega singles match. And then we worked into that frantic, high speed, lots of high spots, really, really cool action. What did you think of this match? Oh, man, it, it has one of my favorite things in it when a wrestler uses another wrestler as a weapon. <laughs> so... <laughs> Page powerbombing, um, God, I can't remember which one. Quinn onto Cassidy was freaking awesome. It's like, it might be my favorite bit in spot in wrestling. I love when bigger wrestlers use smaller wrestlers as a weapon. And there just- were actually two instances of that in this match because you also have the more, the more technical side of using one wrestler against another with Kenny Omega doing the monkey flip toss and throwing, I think it was Quen, uh, into a prone Isaiah Cassidy, uh, which was really sweet. Yeah, So, but other than that one spot aside, you know, those two spots, um, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, I, I, I think I picked Hangman and Omega. Um, you did. And, and who did you pick? You picked, you picked Fire Party. All right, 1-0 on the evening. Um, oh, you smoked me this week. I mean, it was we were tied up going into tonight, and uh, I, uh, like I said, I, I went with my heart, and it was a mistake. So, yeah, womp womp. <laughs> um, one, one of my favorite spots happened pretty early on. It was that like Cassie like flipped off the middle rope outside of the apron, yeah, onto the guys out. I've never seen anything like that before. And I know we kind of sang Cassidy's praises last week of kind of being the start of the match. And I think it's kind of continued this week. He looks, let's be honest, we always talk about Mark Quinn when we talk about Private Party. So for two weeks in a row to really see this stuff from Isaiah Cassidy has been really encouraging. And I believed a couple times that they were going to get the win here. Um, And I think the summer Private Party, even though they lost tonight, like I think that they're in a, great position to get pushed here over the next few months and um just really good stuff and also the timing of the last call now by kenny and um page is freaking incredible the fact that every single time like they impact right at the same time it's it's really impressive and just the the way they've grown as a tag team here over the last few months Definitely. There were a couple of uh, spots that I thought were really cool in this match that I hadn't seen before. Uh, we saw Kenny go for the Kataro Crusher on Mark Quinn, who countered with a handstand, which I thought looked really mm-hmm. cool. And then I really liked the... We saw the Silly String spot, which we've seen before. And then later on in the match, we saw Isaiah Cassidy get into the Silly String position to interrupt Adam Page, who was going for a buckshot lariat. So it was really neat to see him kind of toss Adam Page back out of the way and uh, just really cool. Uh, I I liked the way this match was set up and and so many cool spots. Yeah, and Mark Quinn might have the best shooting star press in the biz right now. He gets so high. Like, it's not even just like he's he's nailing the move. He he goes straight up and straight down. Like, it's incredible. But it's really even rotation, too. He's moving at the same speed the entire time. It's really smooth. And he always comes down perfectly flat. And I like the sling blade backbreaker that Cassidy has whipped out recently. That looks really smooth. And of course, with Paige and Omega selling it, it looked devastating. So, um, yeah, fun match. Really enjoyed it. Um, you know, well, the tag team division is, as we talk about every single week, is, is the best thing going on in AEW right now. And we're going to talk about more tag matches here in a little bit. But, um, yeah, when you have championship matches like this on a regular basis, keep it up. It's fantastic. It's great work. So our, our second match of the night, we had Joey Janela taking on Lance Archer and Lance Archer, surprising no one, getting the pinfall victory in that affair. We both, we both picked Archer, right? We did. Okay. I'll say my biggest thing from this is I like that it wasn't a straight up squash match. Um, Janela got some offense in and... I kind of expected this to be a, you know, just leading the lamb to slaughter type thing. But, um, you know, he didn't get too much offense in. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, you know, this was a true back and forth match, but they didn't just squash Janela here. And I think that's the biggest thing we can take from this because we know Archer is a freaking beast. And 
the blackout through the table, of course, Janela is going to take that spot. <laughs> yeah, that looked totally devastating. There was a lot to like with this match. And I think it was more back and forth than you're making it out to be. We saw a lot of offense from Janela, and there were some spots where I thought for a moment, you know, maybe we were going to get a surprise win when he hit that elbow drop off the top rope and then Sunny Kiss followed it up with the 450 splash. Oh, I thought yeah. maybe we were going to get, you know, an, an unexpected outcome. But this was a really nice match. I loved the counter spot to the blackout with Janela twisting out and coming down in an elbow drop. That looked mm-hmm. really cool. And I think this match was just a classic underdog scrap. Like it reminded me of like Rey Mysterio and JBL, like that kind of, you know, we've got a huge size disparity and I'm going to be quick. I'm going to hit you a lot and I'm going to chop you down. And, you know, in the end, size prevailed, but it told that classic story. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And what I like, what you've seen kind of with these matches when uh, Archer's not fighting someone who's like a main eventer, they they kind of wrestle desperate and they kind of wrestle frantic, which I feel like if we were in a situation where we were fighting Lance Archer, we'd be doing the same thing. Um, so the matches come off like it kind of feels kind of like a when you're fighting a horror villain at the end of a movie. You know, you're the last girl fighting Michael Myers or Jason. Like you're gonna get your ass handed to you, but maybe you can get some you know shots in and electrocute the bastard and end the movie. So. Um, yeah, I, once again, really good stuff. I, I need to see Lance Archer, hopefully, here in the next few weeks, kind of have a, you know, a, a more elevated feud. This one was kind of rushed, you know, leading up to Fighter Fest. So, um, yeah, no, but still fun stuff. And Joey Janela is fucking crazy. You know, he we know he's going to take bumps. So to take the blackout through the table outside the ring and then just get his head bashed in like the mountain um, was, was pretty incredible. What I really like is that this didn't hurt anybody. I mean, you have Lance Archer who needed to continue winning because in order to be taken seriously, he's got to win matches like this. And then because Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss are more focused on their tag team right now, you know, it doesn't really damage them to, for Joey to take this L, especially because he looked legitimate out there with Lance Archer. And I think that's the, the artful side of things. Clearly tag team wrestling is in the forefront right now in AEW. And so I think it's great for Joey and Sonny that they are, you know, currently a part of this new uh, beloved tag team. Yeah. And not to go too far into what's going on next week, but Sonny kiss is going to get their shot against um, Cody and the TNT open challenge next week. So um, yeah, another chance for one of these guys uh, to shine. So, um, anything else before we move on, Joel? No, that's fine. Um, so next up, we have absolute chaos in eight-man tag team match with Penta, Phoenix, Butcher, and the Blade taking on FTR and the Young Bucks. And I actually got this one right. The yeah. heels went over the faces. And it kind of went not exactly how I called, but but the finish was was what I kind of predicted. So uh, pat myself on the back a little bit for that one. But this match was just phenomenal. What what did you think of this one? Just just eight eight of the best in the world at what they do, doing what they do. Like, ah, uh, this is one of those matches that you need a cigarette after. Um, and I think the thing that stood out for me early on was just the you know, God, I've missed Pentagon and God, I've missed the Lucha Bros tagging in general because just some of the stuff that they do in the ring just always makes me gasp a little bit. Like, it doesn't matter that I've seen Phoenix run across the top rope dozens of times now. Every time he does it and he lands that kick and you can just hear the echo of the smack, just, (laughs) it's incredible, man. It's incredible. His Um, agility is peerless. Yeah, and then him and Nick Jackson at the beginning of the match where they like their hands were locked and they jumped like up the ropes together and then Nick hit the hurricane run like like just the, people shouldn't be able to do that type of stuff. Like it it is gravity defying and well the balance of have... force strength that it takes oh, yeah. to do that kind of thing is crazy. And you look at Nick Jackson and you look at Phoenix and it's not like they have 
like eight pack abs or anything. It doesn't look like they should be able to do those things, but they are so skilled and practiced and they know how to execute those spots. It just looked so good. Yeah. And I, I think the big, another thing we have to talk about here is kind of the, the, the way that the young bucks and FTR work together. Uh, I love that, you know, at one point Nick and Dax hit a double team move on, uh, I think one of the Lucha bros. Um, and I kind of liked the, it had a very, like anything you can do, I can do better type thing. Like they were friendly, but not overly friendly. If that makes sense. Yeah, they did. Um, they did a couple of like half and half signature moves. They hit yeah. a good night express together. And then they also later on hit a mind breaker, uh, that was split one member of FTR, one member of the young bucks. And, uh, it was neat to see like that kind of collaboration. And I, I feel like that's something we don't often see in these kind of multiple tag team matches. Yeah. I usually my see the partners biggest, stick together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My biggest impression watching this was this would have been a match on a go home episode before a pay-per-view in the other wrestling company. And it would have sucked for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was the showcase. I feel like the showcase match of the night. You know, it had that nine o'clock hour, um, you know, top of the hour placement on the card. And they just went out and did spot after spot after spot. And I think I think I say this every time I see Phoenix <laughs> wrestle. He does something I've never seen before. The Canadian destroyer out of the ring onto the yeah. guys. And- the that thing was is crazy. They overshot it. They almost missed the group. They got so you got so much air. Like they, they, it's amazing that they even caught them. Because if not, one of the bucks was gonna die. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think he actually would have probably landed on his feet. You know, like if it had, if he had realized, like, oh, no one's there to catch me. Like, because they came down vertical. And I think mm-hmm. I think Phoenix would have gotten his feet under him and, and probably saved Nick's life. But that <laughs> that was sketchy. That was a terrifying spot. And then when it worked out, it was like that was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. That yeah. mega destroyer to the outside, just absolutely wild. Well, and it, they set up it, for it all... so seamlessly. You know, yeah. usually a move like that that's that big. They're going to spend like three minutes moving people around and and getting everything in place. But everyone was kind of already on the outside and it just felt like it happened in the natural course of the match. And that's really what blew me away about it. Yeah, it it was so smooth. And it's, you know, when you go back to All Out last year, when Phoenix hit the, what is it? They hit the uh, Canadian Destroyer through the like table for the triple a tag team titles. Like I thought that was one of the most insane spots involving a destroyer. And then they were like, hold my beer. They followed it back up this week. <laughs> and I thought the finish was good. I thought the inadvertent super kick. Um, and then the, the Lucha bros hitting their, their finisher for the, the win. It, it made sense. I did pick the faces faces quote unquote in this, but uh, you know, I, I feel like the results of this match didn't really necessarily matter because it's just getting us to the point of where, FTR, the Young Bucks, and maybe the whole tag team division is going. Maybe with that tournament or something, you know, you need to showcase them. But just, just a really fun, really fun match. Uh, eight guys who we know who can really work, and just good for the Butcher and Blade also being involved with the match with these six guys because we know those those six guys are some of the best tag team workers in the world. And I think we got to start recognizing. I mean, I do. I know you do, but I think the world in general needs to start recognizing how good the butcher and the blade are and how important they are to the tag team division in general. Absolutely. They, they bring a completely different style and flavor. And I really like some of the, the moves that they have in their repertoire as well, but we could go on about this match forever. Yep. Um, so why don't we move on to the women's match on the card? We had Nyla Rose taking on Kylan King and uh, Kenzie page in a two-on-one handicap match. It ended. There's, there's not much here. <laughs> I disagree. Um, I think there's a lot to talk about. I, I, you know, we, we know Nyla Rose is a beast, and we knew once that it wasn't announced who she was going to face that is most likely going to be a squash match on this card. 
Um, I think that the biggest thing to take away from this was the post-match promo. But uh, since you 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 have more to talk about on this match than I do, uh, how about we you talk about that and then we'll we'll transition to her promo afterwards. Well, I just think we got a return to Nyla Rose looking like the native beast and the things that she was pulling out and having kind of two people to work with that she could, you know, toss around with big move after big move just made her seem that much more powerful. I loved the, the spear looked really good. And then she, she kipped up, which always impresses me. Uh, the German suplex looked really, really good. There was the, the follow away slam that was a toss and she tossed uh, Kenzie page into Kylan King. And, you know, then, you know, the, the beast bomb on to see this match featured one of your favorite things. We had Nyla beast bomb one of them into the other one. I mean, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> it I does, it did that have that being a squash match. It was very entertaining and I enjoyed what I saw. And I thought it was a good look for Nyla, who has kind of been on the periphery in the women's division since she dropped the title. So uh, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I it. You know, the thing that we it's the same thing with Archer and uh, Brian Cage. You know, we need to see these monsters get to show why they're monsters. Um, and, you know, was it was a shoemaker who always talked about the importance of squash matches? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think I think something we've seen in AEW is that they get that and they value that. And, you know, Archer doesn't necessarily need to kick someone's ass every time he comes to the, like on his way to the ring, but he always does. Cause it makes him look like a freaking psychopath. And I think Nyla gunning to show her strength and her, you know, dominance is always a good thing. So, but yeah, it was short. It was quick. It did exactly what it needed to do. And it led into her post match with talking about how everyone in the company who has a manager seems to have a title and that she herself is going to get a manager. Of course, she didn't reveal who it was because this is AEW and they don't tell us things right away. And we're probably going to have to wait a few weeks until we know exactly who her manager is. But for her to do this whole announcement of getting a manager, you feel like it has to be someone big, right? Yeah, I would agree. Like and if it wasn't, also, they would Sean just have her show up with Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears. <laughs> Sean Spears <laughs> doesn't have a title. No, no, they've just been teasing this four horsemen thing. But um, yeah, well, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, we were wondering what this big announcement would be from Nyla Rose. And the thing is, you know, usually we, we want managers when, you know, the person isn't that great on the mic, but I think Nyla Rose has definitely gotten much better on the mic here the last six, seven months. And she's been, you know, really prominent AW storytelling. So I'm curious to see who they, they combine her with and uh, where they go from there. But it seems like we're going to have another Hikaru Shida, excuse me, Nyla Rose match here at some point, which I'm all for. It does look like we're moving that direction. I think it would be interesting if she was taken on by someone who is already a manager in AEW. Like if Taz were to start managing her as well, or if Jake Roberts were to start managing her as well, uh, and kind of get a little bit of a stable going, uh, that could be cool. Um, of course, I'm also up for them bringing in somebody uh, who's you know outside of who we're seeing on on regular weekly television right now. And that would be cool as well. It's going to be Vicky Guerrero, man. That's my guess. Oh, God, please, no. <laughs> She's a heat-seeking missile, man. <sighs> that's that's go-away heat. That's disco loved. heat. I've always, Oh, no, no, no. Do not compare Queen Guerrero to, to fucking Disco Inferno. That's insulting. Eddie's going to haunt you tonight, you bastard. I'm okay with that. <laughs> just ask him all the, all, all the I will, questions. I will speak you always want to know. I will take on the consequences. <laughs> well, let's continue. Joel, what match was after this one? <laughs> uh, so after that, we got the match between SCU and the Dark Order featuring uh, Colt Cabana. And uh, this was an interesting one. Uh, Colt Cabana, first we got a shot of him backstage with some gnarly bruising. Uh-huh. And uh, according to everything that I've seen, that was legit. Like that was not makeup. He was legitimately bruised to hell. And I can't believe he was able to go out and work that match. Like he is one tough bastard to be able to go out 
and take bumps with like half his body being black and blue. Hey, either either it was uh, a work and he sold the hell out of it, which good for him because he sold the hell out of it, or it was legit and he's a tough bastard. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting that uh, if he was hurt, that they, they let him go out there. But I really liked how the injury played into the match where he would, you know, even something as simple as like, you know, a real, real grapple, you see him wincing and like, no, no, no. Like, um, you know, I thought it, like, I always hate when they like point to an injury pre-match and then the injury does not affect the match at all. Like if you're taking the time to show us that the entire side of his body is bruised, it better play a part in the match. And for the most part, it did. And one thing I want to point out is the entirety of the Dark Order watching from the uh, ramp. That's intimidating. I could get into that. I could absolutely get into that. But my question to you, Joel, is where was Anna Jay? Uh, That is a good question. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she's maybe she's in training camp. You know, maybe she's going through the indoctrination process and uh, she hasn't you know, hasn't graduated yet. So I, <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I did not catch that because I wasn't really paying attention to who was on stage, just noticing that mm-hmm. there were people on stage. But that's a good point. And I feel like they got to save the Anna J reveal for some sort of women-specific match or something like that. Like, you wouldn't just plop her there like, oh, hey, look, there's Anna J. Like, she, would, she deserves to get the same type of airtime that the Colt Cabana recruitment has gotten. So... I'm glad she wasn't there, but I'm also like, she joined you guys. So where is she? We haven't had really any follow up since she, um, since she left. And yeah, one I'm, other I'm thing gonna go from, with, I'm gonna go with she's still an evil underling school. Okay, well, you know, she she got sorted into her house, and now she's getting fitted for her Dark Order clothes, and hopefully it will be soon enough. Um, one real quick thing, you know, how, like, have you noticed that they're doing like that thing where like you tweet a special ha- hashtag? during the commercial and then like they're giving yeah. you, you know, you can win something. So someone I follow um, did that and they changed it from boom, boom, Colt Cabana to doom, doom, Colt Cabana. And yeah, I hope, I, I hope that, I hope that person, I hope Phoenix AW gets the, gets the prize. Cause that was one of the best things I saw all last night in wrestling. <laughs> Anyways, back to the match. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was solid. I think the storytelling was once again more about Cole Cabana embracing the Dark Order. And I kind of liked as the match went on, he kind of got more involved in the double team moves with Stu Grayson and um, Mr. Lee. Uh, there was one point where I think, it, I don't remember which one, but someone was holding him like in the, the Phil Nelson, like, hey, punch him in the stomach. And Colt did it. And it really looks like Cole Cabana is a member of the Dark Order. What do you think, Joel? Yeah, I think this match did a good job of of getting that over, getting that across. And I I like the finish. I really like that, you know, it started with Christopher Daniels getting frustrated and punching Colt Cabana in the face. And that moment felt like a big deal. And then, you know, the tide turns, Dark Order gets the upper hand, Brody Lee hits that nasty lariat and invites Colt Cabana to come in and take the pinfall. I thought that was really well done. And I just, I think they're telling a good story here and it's, it's good long form storytelling. I don't feel like this is how happening too fast. And I'm interested to see like at what point is Colt's or Colt's appearance going to change to reflect being a part of this group and, and kind of embracing this mm-hmm. darker side Uh because that's kind of the next step. We've seen him now embrace it in matches by interfering to interrupt a pinfall and betray his friends and kind of have that interaction with Christopher Daniels. And now I need to see that it's not just a facade that he's really into this and that it's affecting the way that he looks. So mm-hmm. uh, I- I'm excited for it though. Yeah. And, and I guess the last thing I'll say about Coke Cabana um when he when he showed up at Revolution, I kind of was like, oh, okay, cool. Hey, this is sweet. I didn't think he would be a legit player like this. I didn't think he'd be involved this much because he is an older guy and you know he's kind of had this comedy shtick his entire career. So I just thought that's what he would do. So 
for them to bring him in and let him do something different is pretty awesome. And also he looked, he looks like he's gotten in more better shape here the last few months. Like he looks like a little leaner, a little more muscular and he just looks bigger in general. Yeah, definitely. I thought though, the standout from this match was Stu Grayson. He looked awesome, whether he was selling other people's offense or that really, really high splash that he hit off the top rope. He just Mm -hmm. looked really good. And uh, we got to see some really nice kicks from Brody Lee as well. That that thrust kick that he hits at his height, his his size, that just looks devastating. Like he's really flexible for a guy his size and it's very impressive. Yeah, and in terms of spots I liked from this match, I I liked, I always like when uh, Kazarian hits that um that cutter, where it's like he f- like spring like gets you to fly into the ring and then nails you with the cutter. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and then old man Christopher Daniels flying around the ring with a tope suicida and the moonsault. Like it's great to you know guys can still work even though they're a little older. So love me some SCU. I miss the crowd reactions to. Uh, the SCU um, intro. Like, I miss that a lot. I miss I miss watching wrestling in person. <laughs> <laughs> I miss a lot of things in person, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because the Rona. Um, um, there's actually two segments I want to talk about before we actually get to the, the main event match. So we got uh, Taz bringing Brian Cage to the ring and awarding him the Fuck the World Championship. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> they didn't say that though. And, uh, <laughs> Taz, Taz has also uh, been chatting about this with people on Twitter and did confirm like that's the original belt that he had back in the day that was like his own personal belt that he carried around. So it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool to see that old piece of wrestling memorabilia reinserted into honestly like the biggest feud in the company right now like the the feud for the main championship and here we have a prop that's over 30 years old that you know taz has carried around and has been a part of his character it's it's pretty cool yeah i i love the i love the throwback you know we we talk about how ecw is such a influential part of wrestling and how you know some of the vibes from AEW so far have been very similar to ECW in terms of the the fandom and stuff like that. I just don't know what they're doing with this this thing, this FTW fuck the world title. Like, is he gonna defend it? Is it just to show that Cage is a badass? Like, I I just I kind of when it, when he came out with that the the belt and the the like the bag, I legitimately thought like, oh shit, they're stripping the title from Moxley. Because I get, you know, maybe with the Rona or something, and they're giving it to Cage. So, um, little, you know, as cool of a moment it was, was you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna withhold judgment until we see what they actually do with it. Because yeah. if if he loses next week and then he just says, "Hey, I'm the FTW champion," like, okay, cool, he didn't win the real championship. I I'm curious to see so, what happens in this match. I think there's a good chance that Brian Cage might get the win on Moxley. I think it would be you know, interesting to see a Brian Cage title run. And, you know, it's a classic adage in wrestling. The money's in the chase. When you have a baby face holding the belt, it kind of limits what you can do. And, you know, you can argue whether John Moxley is a, is a baby face or not, but he's definitely been positioned as a baby face and has been operating against heels. So I think it might be the time might be ripe for that change. So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll find out next week. But I think this this whole segment is just a question mark, right? We don't know yet if it's going to amount to anything. We don't know how interesting it's going to end up being. Um, it, at at worst, it's similar to the Young Bucks mm-hmm. Superkick Championships, which were super cool. So you know, at best, it could be something more. We don't know yet. All right. Well, the other segment I wanted to talk about was all the stuff with uh, Britt Baker and Big Swole. Um, Big Swole getting suspended and, and not allowed in the building and then her finding her way back in and then Reba accidentally punching Britt right in the face. <laughs> so um, 
I think the biggest thing for me is that it's amazing that they've been able to tell this story between Baker and Swole without a match being a possibility because Baker's still hurt and Baker is still going to be hurt for possibly another like six weeks to a month, you know, if not longer. It kind of reminds me of Stone Cold and Mr. McMahon when Stone Cold was, you know, out with his neck injury and he couldn't get in the ring and wrestle, but he was the biggest star in the company driving the ratings. How do we keep this going? And the answer at the time from WWF was, well, we'll just have him torment Mr. McMahon and get arrested a bunch. You know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a renewable thing. They could continue to do it and do it slightly differently every week. And continue to escalate and when we finally get this match it's gonna feel so vital Mm -hmm. because we've been watching this feud play out for months so i'm excited for it yeah me too i I just really wanted to point out like just really good storytelling and and you know for it to still be hitting after all this time with no match that's a that's a testament to what they're doing in uh aw and for what baker and big swall are doing so All right, on that note, Joel, why don't we move on to our main event? Yeah, so the main event saw Orange Cassidy taking the pinfall against Chris Jericho in a very entertaining match. Uh, So I think what was surprising to me was that this match wasn't crazier given the way it was built up. I mean, we saw them brawl all over the stadium leading up to this match, and then the match was mostly in the ring. So that was interesting to see. And uh, there were some really cool spots. Uh, I think my favorite spot of the entire match was the fake out super kick where Cassidy did his like fake little kicks and his fake wind up mm-hmm. and then actually blasted Jericho in the face with a super kick. Blasted him. Like, so like that's one of the best super kicks I've seen in a while. Cause it looked like he was going to take Jericho's freaking head off with that. <laughs> And it was so surprising, right? Because you're expecting him to just, you know, do like he always does. And when he really went in and 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 kicked the crap out of Jericho, you know, that was a, a big spot. I really thought that Orange Cassidy was going to go over and get me the win for this week, but it was not to be. No, it wasn't. But I was really rooting for, for him at the end. Uh, you want to talk about a ton of false finishes in this match. There were so many times where I thought the match was over uh, when um, Santino Ortiz actually sprayed orange juice into Cassidy's face. I really hope that was watered down because I've gotten orange juice like a little bit of it in my eyes before and it doesn't feel good. It's very acidic. Oh, God. Yeah. But he got him with the juice, then hit him with the bat and then hit him with a code breaker. Um, Didn't get the win. And then uh, then there was that like. Cassidy countered the suplex into a stunner, which yeah, I thought was going to get the win. Yeah. And then the, the super kick, I thought, you know, where he, where he faked him out with the, uh, uh, sorry, the, the, the dog, I, I'm watching my sister's dog and it's licking my legs because I was outside earlier and I'm all sweaty. <laughs> and this dog likes salt. Stop it. Go away. Okay. We're done. <laughs> I'll, I'll delete that. <laughs> um, but, I also, I really like the selling from Cassidy here too. Like there's that spot early in the match where he was on the apron and Jericho like shoulder blocked him off and he went flying into the barrier where I thought he was hurt because he just whacked the shit. Like I think he was supposed to hit it higher up and he like <laughs> landed straight at the bottom of it because he got hit so hard. Um, yeah, uh, fun match. Um, I, I think like we talked about before is it didn't really matter who won this match. Um, I think either of them, uh, could have, could have taken the W and it wouldn't hurt the other one as much. So while I picked Jericho, the fan of me was screaming for Cassidy this whole time. (laughs) Um, yeah, great stuff. Um, and I just love, I love Cassidy running the ropes with his hand in his pocket. It's so damn smooth. Like he runs, he does that faster than I can do almost anything in my life. Like, like I can't even tie my shoes that fast or, you know tying my shoes that's that's my great athletic feat is tying my shoes but it's a step you know it's a step you got to tie your shoes before you can run so (laughs) uh, um i thought yeah i'm really coming around on the judas effect 
Like He's when we first with it. debuted it, it looked like trash. And I don't think people knew how to sell it properly. And they've gotten more creative about how he's hitting it. And I think that's one of the advantages of having a move like this. And when he's talked about it, whether on his podcast or other venues, he wanted something that he could just hit out of nowhere, similar to a stunner or an RKO. And, you know, this move requires no setup. And there are a lot of creative ways to get into it. Now that it looks better, know how to sell it more, I think. There's lots of opportunities for for spots like we saw tonight or last night. Yeah, it also looks better when, like, I remember the first time he did it, they, like, set him up. It was like, okay, I get hit, nailed with the Judas effect, you're standing there. Um, and the last couple of times we've seen it's when someone's, like, running at them, running at them, and it just kind of makes it more explosive when you just, like, completely take them off their feet when you nail them with it. So uh, this is one of my, one of my, may, might be my favorite Jericho match in AEW so far. Um, cause some of the other ones have kind of left me wanting more. Um, but I, I was surprised that the pace was what it was, um, at certain points. Cause you know, Cassidy can just fly around the ring like nothing else. Um, but yeah, uh, props to both of them. I think it was the right choice to have this main event, the show, especially once the, the title match was moved off. But definitely, um, yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed fighter fighter fest night two. Um, I think I enjoyed night one a little more. Um, but if this was a full fledged pay-per-view, it would have been probably one of my favorite ones so far. So, yeah, they keep raising the bar with the match quality and the storytelling and each pay-per-view has been like progressively better than the one that came before. So I'm, I'm think this bodes well for the future and all out is going to be awesome. But before all oh. out, okay, we have to talk forgot. about fight for the fallen. So let's, let's do a lightning round preview of Fight for the Fallen. Lightning round. Yeah, so kind of interesting that we're getting like another mini pay-per-view uh, next week. Um, but hey, I'm not complaining. So Joel, uh, so far we have the Elite, Kenny, Matt, and Nick versus Jurassic Express in a six-man tag match, which should be awesome. Um, I think this is just... We haven't seen the elite kind of team together in a while. They, I know they had a couple of showcase matches over the uh, last summer leading up to all out of the three of them as a team. So uh, really looking forward to this and you know what we've seen from jungle boy, which is uh, Luchasaurus and Margot stunt recently. Uh, this should just be a high energy match that should start the show in my eyes. I agree. I think this is a great way to start the show. I think the elite probably go over here. Um, Although I, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, the Jurassic Express, you know, find a way to to get the W, um, especially if it's, you know, a spotlight for Jungle Boy, because I think, you know, I've made it clear. I think he's the future of this company. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for creativity and, and cool spots. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, we need the Jungle Boy like NWO Hollywood heel turn at some point. <laughs> Give me that. Like have have him have him start spraying JB on people with spray paint. Go full Hulk Hogan, because um, he could totally do the Hollywood. Well, the star. only way he can turn heel is to turn on Luchasaurus. So, you oh know. man. <laughs> well, if that doesn't start the show, well then this next match could start the show, Joel, and that is FTR versus the Lucha Brothers in a first time ever match. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, so I feel like. I feel like FTR has been cordoned off from the best tag team wrestlers on the planet. Uh, and, and now that they're in AEW and they have the opportunity to go up against all of these teams, we're just in for some amazing tag team wrestling. And I also really like that there's kind of a built-in rivalry here because you have a natural styles clash of FTR doing old school kind of mid-south style modern you know pro wrestling and then you have the lucha style where it's like yeah we don't care about actually tagging in tagging out you know in <laughs> in mexico there there is no tagging in tagging out you just one person leaves the ring and someone else gets in and now they're the legal man so it's and that's kind of been a bone of contention between these two teams you'll see you know cash <laughs> yep. and dax tweet about it all the time so 
I'm excited for it. And I think they've kind of got a natural rivalry here. Not to mention the ending of the match that we just saw at Fighter Fest that really fuels this feud. So I'm looking forward to this one big time. Yeah, it, it has a chance to be something special. I got nothing else to say on that. We're both excited about this. I, I will say it's a shame that we never got to see a full-fledged serious revival on the main roster because they could have had great matches with the Usos, the New Day. Um, but the fact that I'm not saying any other teams after that, you know, the, the t- tag team death is much deeper in AEW. Um, we, we then follow that up with our TNT Open Challenge. And it's been announced that Cody will defend against Sonny Kiss. And I am so happy for Sonny Kiss to get this opportunity on the main show. Probably uh, his biggest um, match in AEW so far. And Definitely. We, we know that Cody makes, you know, will sell out and make you look like a million bucks. So uh, I expect this to be another incredibly fun match on this card. And Sonny's, you know, another wrestler who's super creative. Cody is always game for trying something new and doing something different. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some spots in this match that we've never seen before. So I'm really looking forward to this one as well. I think, honestly, I'm more excited about some of these matches at Fight for the Fallen than I was for night two of Fighter Fest. Yeah, like it's we're getting three pay-per-view quality weeks in a row. Um, and also the fighter a fight for the fallen they're going to be raising money again like they did last year so uh, another great thing that this company does um and joel that brings us to our main event for the ftw wait it is the aew world championship between hopefully john moxley and brian cage with taz and we've been talking about this match for a while now they it, it hasn't necessarily needed a big build because we just know this is John Moxley. This is Brian cage. They're going to beat the shit out of each other. Let's go. Um, so, you know, I, I expect this match to be physical. I expect this match to be violent and we didn't really make our picks for this show, but spoiler alert, I'm going with the machine. I'm right with you. I think the time is right for a change. And I, I really want to see, what Brian Cage and Taz do from a storytelling standpoint with him holding both belts. I think that's a cool visual. I think it's something that immediately gets him over and gives him credibility for anyone who is still holding out to see, you know, what Brian Cage is really made of and what he's capable of in the ring. This is that showcase opportunity. Uh, When he debuted at uh, Double or Nothing, He's still recovering from the bicep tear. He is still working his way back and and getting his strength back in his arm. So every time we see him, he's going to look better. He's going to look more powerful. And it's going to show in all of those big moves that he likes to hit. So this one excites me. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really excited. And, you know, I, I don't blame Moxley. This championship run has been kind of meh to me and i think that has more to do with obviously he won it right before covid hit you know and completely killed you know the momentum and i think he's a wrestler that fan reaction is incredibly important just because he's not going to flash and dazzle you in the ring like a kenny omega or young bucks can his his stuff is doing crazy crap that's going to make you gasp and well, the character, you know, he's, work, you know it, it's, it's hard to play that character in front of no real audience and for it to not seem kind of silly and over the top. And I, I think when you have people reacting to what he's saying and chanting and clapping and getting into it, it gives more legitimacy to this kind of, you know, rebel that, the the people adore uh, which is kind of this this persona that he's been doing when you strip down all of the window dressing of i'm crazy and i'm hardcore and all of that you know that's really what this basic character archetype is and you need people for that yeah and i think kind of the key to keep people engaged when there's no crowd and it's a little awkward even though honestly i barely notice with AEW anymore that there's no crowd 
like they make enough noise, they're engaged enough that it kind of makes you forget. But I think when you have no crowd, I think something you have to do is you have to put on incredible matches. And I think a champion Brian Cage can just go out there and give you a 30 minute barn burner. Um you know, more often than say a John Moxley can. And like I said, I'm not putting this on Moxley because I think COVID screwed this whole title run up. Um, but it's definitely been a little meh for me. So um, anything else about fighter? Fuck, fight for the fallen fighter fest. Why do they have to do that to me? Fight for the fallen, Joel? No, just looking forward to it. And I know there's going to be more stuff that hasn't been announced. So that's a part of it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll we get- we'll make picks or we'll make picks before the show next week so we can continue our, our competition. All right. Um, Sounds good. All right, guys, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show and find us at Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can also search for the other wrestling show on Twitter. You'll find us just as well. You can follow Joel at the other Joel. You can follow me at Michael underscore Aranda. Um, you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn. If you're an Android user like me, you can find us on any of the podcasting apps on the Google store. Um, you know, if you like what you hear, give us a follow, give us a subscription, give us those reviews. They help us uh, gain exposure. And Joel, anything else to add before I go bathe in an ice tub because it's so freaking hot. Enjoy that. It sounds like fun. Uh, you, get, you thought about it for a second, didn't you? That visual in your head. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Oh, all right. We're done. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.